Hello and welcome to Awaken, Heal and Transform. I am your host, Francesca Raffa, and I am so pleased that you are here. Take this as your sign from the universe that you are on your journey to awakening, healing and transforming, to live a soul-led life of purpose, passion and alignment, reconnecting you with your innate power within. Hello and welcome to another episode of Awaken, Heal and Transform with your host, me, Francesca Raffa. We have been moving through the very trenches, what it feels like, but also a beautiful transition. And always before meeting yourself in that new sense of self, there is this process of what I call like a contraction um, before the expansion. And it's almost like you can really feel that your expansion is just on the brink, but yet you're in this state of constriction as it's forming. Um, And this is what I call like the creation stage where creation is forming and bubbling in the dark void before it becomes form and it's almost like you know if you're pregnant you don't want to start pushing before the waters have broken and it's that kind of battle that we are feeling where it's like you want to go but then there's this thing that's saying nope don't force let it happen let it unfold and it all will in divine timing but it can create this sense of restless restlessness so I've been moving through a lot of that recently. Um, And on today's episode, I'm going to be inviting in my beautiful friend, uh, Leah, from Temple of Ophelia. She is a priestess of the dark feminine and blood mysteries. Um, I connected with Leah at Burning Woman Festival last year. I attended one of her workshops where she took us into a deep dive into the depths of our womb and what i'm really keen to hear is leah's story and what unfolded for her to enter into this work especially around the work of the dark feminine and actually just how important it is to embrace the dark feminine and the shadow aspects for our greatest teachings and actually really bridge this gap between the humanness and the divinity and really coming in down deep into the roots, working with our shadows so that we are able to hold ourselves to some of those projections um, and actually use our projections as a tool to look within. So let's invite Leah onto this episode. I'm so excited to hear more. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the Awaken, Heal and Transform podcast today. I'm just buzzing for this conversation. So I was doing a brief intro to who you are, but I will never be able to do that justice as you would. So um, this conversation is going to take a turn for where it will take us as I always move through these episodes in absolute flow and trust that whatever is meant to come through always comes through. And it's through our journeys that really inspire and awaken others to Well, I feel them to be an activation, actually, when we speak our stories and our journeys. So 
Leah, I'm going to hand this to you and let us know like what has got you into and how have you transformed into your priestess of the dark feminine mysteries? <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it it does feel like a mouthful when you say priestess of dark feminine and mysteries, right? And that only really landed in its true formative this year. Um mm. prior to that I was just Leah, the healer and it's this year has been the greatest chrysalis for me through the work that I've been doing for the past five years on myself. Um, and I find myself here today, 28 something years ago, being interested in collecting rose petals of a rose bush in my grandmother's garden and pretending that I was making potions or sitting at the rock garden pretending I was a siren calling in, calling in the sailors of the road with the cars going by in the 90s South Africa so very interesting experience but yeah I've always known that there's been something a little bit more different in the way that I I come to the work that I do mm -hmm. and even growing up as a kid loving fantasy films I was always connected to the villain mm -hmm. and my friends would say, why? Why do you like the witch or the sorceress? They're evil. And I went, they're really not. They're quite misunderstood. And I could see between that veil of feeling rejected by society, feeling abandoned by caregivers, feeling, you know, a pulse of shame to create this, this darker character, but all for the power of having community and love, really. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I kind of just followed that thread throughout my life and in my mundane life became a goth. So enjoyed the darker side <laughs> of life and the stories of, you know, vampires and the mysteries of the unknown. Mm. Again, looking for the shadow pieces, that underworld, that layer beneath what we show on the surface and really getting into shadow work about five years ago with it becoming a little bit more of a, a hashtag on, on social media and people talking about shadow work and putting two and two together and going, ah, that's what I do. It all makes sense. I'm a shadow worker. I work in the void space, mm -hmm. not necessarily the dark, not necessarily the light, but the in-between mm -hmm. where, um, you know, when the butterfly's in the cocoon and it goes through the gooey stage as it's about to become the butterfly, that's that's me. And that's mm. the golden nectar, I think. And the priestess path kind of came as a part of that where I had a past life regression and uh, a cache of records opened and it was shared with me that I was a priestess, a high priestess in the temple of Isis. As so many of us tend to, tend to have the trail of breadcrumbs as cosmic breadcrumbs laid out for us. Mm. So I trained with a phenomenal high priestess in ancient Egyptian magic. Uh, connected more to Neftis as opposed to Isis, <laughs> which um, was was the talking point of our our circle that I would connect to the queen of the underworld as opposed to mother of all, and yeah, mm. that led on to the dark feminine, which <laughs> is where I feel most at home. You know, I love how you just shared about the villains in the in the movies because I was right there with you on that. I was like, they are, they're amazing because 
one, if we didn't have those, there would be no heroes to actually come in. <clears throat> and we need the both. And I think this is, um, this is what I want to ask you. Why do you feel the shadows are so feared? Because we truly do need both. Yes. Yeah, I think there is, you know, in language, the words dark, shadow, black, negative, mm. all these, these creations of uh, good and bad, good versus evil, all these pieces create this fear. And I, and I think that's very much the way that society wants us to be in fear of the scary and to villainize things and to put a negative perspective on them when in actual fact that's not what it is in divinity there is no good or evil you know we read so many of our myths and legends and folklore and there's never really good and evil there's always a at the end there's some form of union there's some form of awakening process and coming back to those old practices is so important but when we when when I talk about dark feminine, I know a lot of people tend to look at me and go, "Oh, but that's scary, isn't it? That's evil." And it's not. It's about the hidden aspects that we are we've been conditioned not to view and to bring to the light and love. Jealousy is taught that it's a negative emotion, shame, guilt, um, frustration, anger, especially as women, you know, we have a conditioning to be in good girl, to be in light, to be in Eve aspect from religious connotations. And those are all beautiful, but they can't exist without the shadow aspects, without the the bad girl, the rebel, the sinful she-devil, the unholy, because they're not they're not necessarily going out and perpetrating against people, causing harm. They're there to bring a teaching to us, you know? I think shadow is so important to look at and go, I'm jealous of this individual. I'm going to use a personal example. For me, I'm a curvaceous woman, and I would love to know what it would feel like to be in a slimmer body. So when I'm at the gym and I'm doing my weights and I see this really beautiful, slim-bodied woman come in, the first thing I think is jealousy. Mm -hmm. And before I would have been like, oh, I will never be like that. And then get sucked into that wallow and just kind of have that perpetuate in many ways of disordered eating or negative punishments on myself, punishing my body, punishing my mind. Whereas actually, if I look at that, I look at that projection and I go, right, I'm projecting a self-loathing in myself. How do I actually accept that? How do I come to myself with love and understanding and take that shadow and really turn it into gold and yeah, notice that my body is beautiful the way it is. I'm mm -hmm. strong. I'm healthy. And even if I wasn't strong and healthy, it's still beautiful. It carries me through my daily process. It takes me through my devotional practice. It, it's, it's a vessel that contains my soul. So, yeah, I hope that answers the mm -hmm. the question. Yeah, thank you for also bringing in like the personal element and how we move through these things day to day and how we can we shame our own shadows, which actually keeps them alive. I'd love to talk more on this aspect as well, because like you were mentioning those um, negative connotations of emotions around jealousy or um, I can't even think of anything right now, but those negative connotations that we often assume as emotions that are 
bad. And then when we feel that sense of, our, of that coming up and we're like, oh no, I don't want to feel that. And we properly shame it. Then how does that then actually stay more alive within us than when we realize? Gosh, um, you know, I think there is a, a form of addiction that we have to being in victim consciousness. Oof not only because it's it's rife in us as humans and it is our humanness but there is also this conditioning around us to keep us small and you know in women's creation we feel that a lot of the time but also men have that experience too by being in I don't like to use the word toxic, well, the phrase toxic masculinity, but it is that, that I must be strong. I must be provider. I'm not allowed to talk about my emotions. Like society has created this archetypal basis for us to be part of that we are stuck in. And then we become addicted to the, the wallow. I mean, you just put on media and it's the news is only about the, the horrible things that are happening in life. You know, we're very much deep in that right now. You don't really hear about the wonderful experiences, babies being born, nature being beautiful, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, we're, we live in a society where fear is the primary emotion. Uh, scarcity hooks into that, not having enough, not being enough, not fitting a certain mold. So I think it's easy for us to automatically go into the, I don't have, I'm not good enough. I, you know, the I'm not, I'm not rather than I am and really owning and being accountable in that. And, you know, my journey yes. has been addicted to, to victim consciousness for a very long time. And that was about three years ago. I was with a coach. I'd been in, in a container for a while and I've, I've experienced numerous forms of trauma in my life, but the one that I was trying to heal from was sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting, spending thousands of pounds, hundreds of hours, all the amounts of times that I was doing my practices, my rage release, all of this stuff, but through a victim consciousness. And I sat one day and I just kind of dropped and she said, what's that? What's that emotion that you've got right there? What's coming to the surface? And I went, oh, I'm addicted to being a victim. And she went, finally, it's taken three years. And I could name it, own it, cut the cord and move from that. Mm. And that moment is, a, is one of the pinnacle moments where then everything just started falling into place for me. You know, the Kundalini awakening, the priestess initiation, the finding the dark feminine mysteries, the blood mysteries, and being who I am sat before you today. This this woman who owns her victim, owns her projection, owns her judgmentalness, but also owns her strength mm -hmm. and her vulnerability in equal amounts. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes, thank you for sharing that. When we really um, sit in the radical honesty of that shadow, it takes, I mean, what would you say some of the steps are, but from what I'm gathering from what you've shared, it's like awakening to the truth, admitting that it is a truth, and from there you get to choose again. Um, would you say that those are the steps or what, what more else is there to it? Definitely um, awakening. Like yeah. when those emotions come up, 
not to shut them down, suppress them, not to silence them, not to ignore them, not to punish yourself or beat yourself up. But we, we're so good at doing that, aren't we? We're so skilled at going, no, I don't want to listen to this or that's horrible. I'm not going to share that with anyone. If finding a, a, a network of people that you can speak openly and honestly with, I think is one of the greatest pieces and I've met my coven whereby I can do that. I've met my partner whereby I can do that, where we can sit and go, I would like to share honestly and vulnerably and have them hold a really safe space without judgment, but also to remove the judgment from yourself and speak into it um, mm -hmm. to reflect those wounds, to understand what they are. So I think, I think naming it is super important. And then to sit with yourself even and feel it in the body. So I, I work with embodiment practices so coming out of the mind and the stories connected to the book going, where am I actually feeling this? And what am I feeling? And one of the practices I used to do is bringing that ickiness into the body, like actually feeling it in all the cells. And trust me, that is incredibly uncomfortable. But letting the purge come, my purge is often through coughing and spitting. So I use that and then offer that back to the earth as, as my gratitude. Um, the sneezing, whatever that looks like, screaming into a pillow is beautiful. Just letting it come into the body, feeling it, holding it, breathing through it. And then alchemizing that into love, compassion. I work with the womb and the heart a lot for that and or singing like trying to change that into something else rewriting the story mm. but I think the main component is accountability and awareness to am I ready to transmute this ickiness into gold you know how do I make the icky sticky molasses honey you know like you can make it really tasty and juicy and it becomes your superpower you know I've um I, I use my truth, my honesty as my superpower, not just in my wonderful world of facilitating and ceremony and practices, but also my corporate job. You know, uh, I bring a lot of my archetypal work into, into that space and shadow work, especially when I'm working with somebody who's going through development pieces, like, right, what is holding you back from stepping into your power? What is holding you back from that promotion? Um, yeah, it's uh, definitely a piece of sitting with the uncomfortable, I think, is the main component, which mm. is what we are deeply frightened of. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And I think there's this element of we're not alone in any of this, isn't there? I think this is what it comes back to. And I loved how you shared finding a community of people or safety network and actually being held in that because the shadows get to be transmuted when they are fully witnessed. And that's not only by yourself, but, but when they're witnessed by another and also held in acceptance, you're almost able to see like, oh, okay, they, they're not abandoning me. They're not walking out. They're not shaming me. They're not saying, you know, I can't feel this way. But instead, they're just looking at me with the loving eyes that, yeah, that's that's your truth. That's your truth in this moment. Let's be with it. Let's let's feel all of it, because only in the feeling can we. And and I, I wouldn't say, would you say, I guess this is a question, the layers to this work, <laughs> because I also want to get into that, because often we'll hear, you know, especially in this space, um, 
they'd be like, oh, I thought I healed that. Mm. And it's here again. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I know that storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm. yeah it's it's interesting it doesn't heal you know I think <laughs> sorry people if you're here for a one 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 time fix okay that's it sister wounding right rip band-aid off it's gone cool it's never coming up again that's not true <laughs> it, it will keep repeating itself but what happens in embodiment work in particular is we find the capacity to hold more of it so that we're not triggered and activated as quickly as before or we can actually go right that's triggered or activated me whatever language you enjoy using and we can go right what is the work that needs to be done what tools can I bring from my toolkit to go through this you know you might be stood on a very busy train and something activates you in that moment that you're not even aware of or you might feel a bit of anxiety from feeling closed in what tools can you bring from your tool case to work through it in that moment for your body to start holding more and then holding more i think that's one of the layers is we're never going to heal from these pieces but what we can do is rewrite the way our body reacts to them mm, yeah yeah I love that. Mm -hmm. I actually just want to bring back what you were sharing earlier around um, your journey in being in, in really stepping into healing the sexual trauma that kind of opened up mm. everything. Could you just um, go back into that? And what was that moment where you were like, this is the work I need to move into to or, or where did you know or recognize that you needed to step into some of that work and heal through some of your layers of sexual trauma. Well, this is this is this is my favorite part of of my journey. Um, I know that this is also the part that can activate people quite a lot. So, yeah. you know, if anyone's listening there and they want to reach out and speak to me more about this, or or I've triggered because there's a projection and there's some healing that needs to be done, touch base. I'm so happy to go deeper into that, but. I was a very sexual child, like as a little girl, I was very intrigued by the experiences of sexuality. And I joke, but it's the truth. It started at about five when we went to go visit an aunt and uncle and nobody wanted to look after the kid because the cousins were out. So they stuck me in front of a, a VHS because girl of the nineties with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I saw many makeup and corsets and this over-sexualized dancing and language. And I was turned the F on. Mm. And at five, not really knowing what that was, but I was like, oh, oh, I really like this, you know. And, you know, then going into explorative maiden and being in a swimming pool and finding the the bubbles and, you know, just journeying with with that piece. And then having shame thrust upon me as a young girl, you know, don't have your hands between your legs, keep your legs closed. Don't be flirtatious with the boys. I loved hanging out with the boys. It was great fun, you know, and just being completely shamed for being sexual in any way or desirable, or having desire, expressing things. Yeah. And learning that that was, that was bad and having my 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 privacy my consent taken away from me from the first form of uh, sexual intrusion I experienced was at eight and then again at 10 and then with a family member actually um for a few years and then I went into relationship 
and hadn't learned what my boundaries were, what my desires were, what my requests were. My voice was taken away from me. I was taught that you give in to what the individual is requesting. You know, that's what you do. You were there to serve. If you aren't in the mood, you say no. But I didn't know that growing up, you know. Um, so I had many relationships that just mirrored my trauma of narcissistic parents, emotionally unavailable, um, sexually intrusive and traumatic. And I was in my 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 past relationship the last three years, I chose to become celibate within the relationship. And I didn't really speak to my partner about that. I just kind of did it. And, you know, the one day he tried to engage in conversation and I said, this is for my, my, my healing. And um, he was open to that. And I started working with a mentor who was trained in tantric practices. And I just shut down anytime there was self-pleasure practice. I must rewind a little bit and add that I actually ran a sex shop for about three years <laughs> mm -hmm. and wanted to become a sex therapist whilst I was going through all this trauma and not even realizing it. And uh, I started training with this, this tantric coach. And as soon as the self-pleasure practices came in, yoni de armory and breast massage, I just contracted. It just wasn't anything that I would get involved in. I retracted from those modules. She knew she didn't come and rescue me. She let me go through my journey. And uh, during my priestess initiation, we were talking about my karmatic path. And my high priestess said, you will do sexual healing work. Mm. And I laughed at her. I was like, no, I won't do that. And as soon as she said that, from then onwards, all the dreams of the serpent energy started coming in. And um, my my um, karmatic path is Chiron is in my 12th house in Taurus, so a lot of sensual energy and a lot of sexual healing. Mm. And um, as soon as that started happening, I had a womb massage uh, from Melissa Sanger and had my Kundalini awakening. And that was it. This like Lilith seductress just erupted from my body. And all of a sudden I was like, no, I can be sensual and that be okay because I'm accepting it in me. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the crystal wand and the yoni eggs and went back through all the self-pleasure practices, started feeling into that, started doing breast massage to open my heart to myself. And um, I went on that call that day where we were talking about the sexual experiences. And, you know, my, my teacher said that's when it dropped in. As soon as I relinquished that addiction to the trauma state of sexual intrusion, and actually owning it as my power and being a woman in my sensual energy that wants to work with couples, that wants to bring sensuality back into life. And that's not just through like sexual play and orgasm, very much through like having beautiful fabrics around you that feel good. Mm. At the moment, I'm really enjoying eating figs in the most seductive way I can, you know, and tasting food, tasting life and letting that vibrate through you and pulse through you and feeling it in the pussy, feeling it in the womb space, feeling it in the heart, feeling it in the throat and letting that all come out. Mm. And since doing that, I have cultivated the most incredible relationship with a beautiful man who holds that space for me, who actually celebrates my sensuality. And, uh, I get to work with couples now and individuals who want to experience what that feels like. And the dreams of being a sex therapist have 
come to fruition in their own way mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. my experience is now my medicine. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And I definitely can resonate a lot with your story. So I'm sure many of the listeners will be able to as well. Um, when we hold the curiosity because our innate um, our innate birthright is this sensual being, right? We are, uh, and sexuality is our life force energy. So when we are children, we don't understand, we have the innocence and the purity behind what that is, but there's this desire, this like, oh, that feels like I've touched life. When you're experiencing certain things and you're unable to make sense of or make process to. And I'll share a little backstory as, as to, just to bring into what you were sharing as well, because when we hold ourselves to the, the the first thing you kind of do when you're trying to explore the sexual world is like you go on the internet right and back in back in i don't know your day but my day it was like there was nothing that really gave you any uh there was no sacred sexuality that we hear about today you know it was full-on just porn and in those um those clips and in those in that curiosity building all you see is the woman being the um pen like being penetrated right you see the woman giving in to what the man wants and and so this is how we build our idea of oh okay well that's obviously what my role is in those spaces um and this is deep seeding and this is what creates um a lot of that un uh, the unconscious sexual trauma that then later comes 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 out and comes into fruition mm. so i feel like yeah those that for me when i was around 10 and exploring that i was like oh well that's my role and i'm like they're giving freely because i'm like you know i'm like well this is you know, this is the curiosity and this is what yeah. we do and you just sort of and and whoa <laughs> you know that that really came <laughs> back to bite me but like mm -hmm. This is why it's important that we have the conversations and i know this is coming more into school systems now and there's other 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 forms of education around this because i mean my sex ed was literally put the condom on the banana as long as you're not getting <laughs> pregnant then you know so be it free for all yeah. and it's like what well what about what what you what it was literally just go mm. create right so um thank you for bringing that light to the the actual importance of sexual trauma even if you feel you haven't actually experienced a big t right yeah big yeah. t necessarily absolutely um, big t being big trauma and and then there's the little trauma for those that aren't aren't aware but it's there's no comparison to what these traumas are they are your experience and it is still so valid despite you know oh well i didn't have that happen to me or this didn't occur it's it's still just as important i think i just want to bring that to note as well as, a, as yeah. yeah 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 you know, you know i really i really love you bringing that because um actually one of the one of the pieces i mean there's so many there's so many layers to this um to the the healing my big t my sexual trauma mm -hmm. is when when working with this tantric coach she said she like gave permission to stop being performative and i was like what does that mean and then i thought back porn is always the woman's head failing backwards and the <laughs> deep moaning coming out and all the wriggling around and you know you see that in films and tv you just that's mm -hmm. what you see showing around and i was like 
okay, so I'm going to do a self-pleasure practice where I don't perform and I just feel what comes up and I hold it in my body. Mm. Oh my goodness. I have never, ever experienced like that. And also to take orgasm off the table and be like, you can have pleasure without it resulting in a big O if that happens or not, or faking that, you know? So I started working with that with actually going today, I don't want to climax and I just want to feel that life force pulsating through my body. And I, I will often do that before big meetings or presentations and I can just feel it pulsating and I can feel myself vibrating on a new level. And the other thing that I did was I grew my, I grew my pubic hair back because my exes would always force me is the correct word to shave or to, to trim because they preferred it. It was better for them. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. I will self-abandon for your pleasure because I'd rather not be called Yeti, for example, by an ex. Um, and now I very much own it. And, you know, my, my, my partner will worship at my, my mound of Venus. He will worship that. And it's become a devotional practice. And for me, I just love it. I love sitting in ceremony too, like in self-pleasure and just like holding on to that energetic piece and being like, this is my reclamation. This is me taking my power back and not self-abandoning to anyone. This is mine. And that that's also been a huge part. And that's something tiny, you know, for me. That was my personal journey that felt really, really good. Mm, those two, those two words just rippling so deeply: the devotion and the reclamation. Mm. They are like they just send shivers in my spine. Um, <laughs> and through the reclamation of your body, it's like then you you hold devotion to it, and in that, the others that are surrounding yourself have to give you that in return. Like there is no compromise in that sense of devotion yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah I think knowing what your what your desires are and your boundaries are and what you were devoted to and expressing that to anybody that enters your life whether they are a lover whether they're a friend where whatever that looks like being so solid in those pieces in yourself mm -hmm. you know I've sat in so many circles where somebody said what is your why or what are you here for and I I get lost in a rabbit hole with those words, but actually going into what is my devotion? What are my boundaries? What are, what are my requests? That simplifies it for me. And even if I have one in each column or two, and that will start growing and they'll start changing and you might remove something and add, create space for something new. Like that for me has been a beautiful practice to go, okay, this, this is, this is where I am. And when I, when I'm, getting into connection with anybody when I'm relating in any way, I share those things and I ask them the same question because it's important to understand theirs also. What mm. what are your desires or in this friendship, in this connection of ours, what do you request? What are your boundaries? I think it's super important. Yeah, that is so important. And what advice would you give or what practice would you offer to um connect in to be able to start reclaiming that and knowing what those needs are for yourself and those boundaries because if you're in a space for so long in believing that you know you're 
your existence and your you don't your needs are for others rather than for yourself there's this yeah there's obviously um a process that's involved there and being able to even know that you have needs because i know that i went through that one i was like i didn't even i didn't even know that i had needs <laughs> no i wasn't allowed to have needs i had yeah. to self-abandon for everybody <laughs> um actually the it's a very simple practice. You could do it for five minutes a day. I, I hold people through this quite a lot too, even in sound sound sessions. Is and, and it's one that I can see really activates people, but it's sitting for five minutes, breathing. You can put your hands on your body. I recommend definitely bringing some touching because you really want to go inwards, coming out of the head, coming into the heart, coming into the womb, coming into the pelvis, and just saying over to start with five minutes it's a good period we can all give ourselves five minutes even if you're in the shower you know start by just saying internally i am safe this is safe and when you can start cultivating that then you start moving your hands around your body and you start touching yourself whether it be your shoulders the back of your head your breasts your stomach for me the back of my legs i really don't like the back of my legs being touched so i will go there and give myself safety and then you start penetrating love out of your hands into your body and start creating this safety within yourself. I think often as individuals who have experienced any form of trauma or discomfort in life, we seek safety in others or in situations. Hi, we're here. This is the vessel. This is the one thing you have for the rest of your life. Like, I think we put so much focus on others when actually we are the answer to everything. So creating safety in our own vessel will mean that when we're in situations where the spidey sense goes off and you're like, I don't feel safe yet, you can go in and just be like, I am safe. This is safe. That has been a very tiny practice, but with such a ripple effect in my life. It doesn't have to be about the five-hour workshops or or the the 20 day retreats or it, it can be something as simple as five minutes of devotion to yourself creating safety within beautiful thank you and i think yeah just the last note there around devotion to self if you can commit and devote to yourself then you can also um, be able to communicate that because you've done it for yourself you've held yourself to your own boundary and i think when we hear like creating boundaries with others first those boundaries must be set within yourself right um simply as committing and devoting yourself to yourself just for a short period of time if that's not um something that you're used to doing or feel like you have time to do how many times do you say like i don't have time to do that but like mm -hmm. i love how you shared that like in the shower you've got you're in the shower anyway, you're making a cup of tea, you're waiting for the kettle to boil. Like we do have the time, it's just where the attention is um, focused, usually on the external. And there's many reasons as to why our society mm. often us in that space as well, so that we don't go within because our inner world holds all the answers and it holds, sorry, it holds all the questions and it holds all the answers. Mm. Um, Beautiful. I love that practice. Thank you so much for sharing that with the listeners. And how can we connect with Yulia? And what have you got coming up? Because this has just been a delightful, juicy <laughs> conversation that, yeah, I really, I really, really sense the importance of. Um, and to keep coming back because 
like we move through the layers and they come through again and and sometimes we can forget even you know mm. myself when i'm in this space and in this work so yeah thank you for bringing that through yeah um so i am um, i'm in a I'm, I'm, I'm in a deep chrysalis at the moment where i'm actually rebranding everything that i do so uh my website will be up in the new year uh, but in the meantime, if anybody wants to connect, Instagram is the best place to find me. And I'm Temple of Ophelia. So it's Temple underscore of underscore Ophelia. And yeah, just really trying to create this beautiful space for women to and men and ev everybody, just people, community to to experience love, life and sensuality, really. And um, yeah, I... I'm based in Hertfordshire, so I do quite a few cacao and sound journey events, uh, setting up a drumming circle that I co-facilitate with my friend Debbie. And uh, before the end of the year, my friend Claire and I will be doing a really, really beautiful day workshop to work with dark feminine energy, wild woman, sensual, Carly S experience, which will be beautifully held. And we're seeking the venue for that at the moment. So any information will be posted on my social media channel and yeah, I will be exploring next year with telegram groups and <laughs> I'm going to be setting up a dark moon circle for working with the dark feminine energy and the dark goddess that will be online. And yeah, just bringing all that good stuff to, to uh, the space. So exciting. I'm going to add all of that into the show notes. And um, I'm also really excited because you're going to be coming in um, as a guest expert in the calling in my online membership. And we're going to dive deeper into working with Shadow as our greatest teacher and more touch more on what you've shared here around projection. So um, mm. how we can use that projection and actually tune it back in to see what we're missing or what's needing to be um, seen within ourselves. So that's also really exciting. And just before we close today, I really feel like I could just continue this conversation and I really want to, <laughs> maybe there should be part two. Um, but what would you like to leave the listeners with? Is there any words of wisdom or a motto or something that really inspired you in your life that you would like to share? Mm, that's a big question, isn't it? The one thing that's coming through for me right now is be your own teacher. Mm. You know, as an Aquarian, I like to collect all the accolades and the certificates and actually going within and listening to what my heart is telling me and what what's what's working through me has been vastly more important than seeking elsewhere. You know, mm. I think pausing taking a moment to sit and really feel into what's coming up and paying attention to those whispers in the back of your mind will lead you places that you, no one else can lead you and yeah I think that's really important you know my my motto is always be the person your dog thinks you are and, <laughs> I, <love that>. um, <laughs> I recently I'm my 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 dog recently passed away eight weeks ago and was my best 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 friend but he taught me how to love and open my heart and he taught me that I have a nurturing side he taught me that I can be fierce and fun at the same time so I actually really live by the words be the person your dog thinks you are because he thought I was bloody brilliant and I am <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. I'm going to take that. And just also on a final note, um, just to add that through your shadows and through you entering into your darkest places, you found your medicine. So mm. that's another thing that really comes through diving deep into the shadows, which is where our gifts are. So be your greatest teacher, be your own teacher. I couldn't agree more with that, <laughs> with those wise words. <laughs> thank you so much, Leah. This has been an absolute delight. And thank you for sharing your journey so vulnerably as well. Thank you for having me. It's been a true honor to sit with you today.